Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we welcome Martha Carlin. Like we're just a giant Petri dish. And knowing what I know from working in the lab now with my microbiology team, you know, what you put in that Petri dish is absolutely, uh, you know, critical to what you grow. And so that ties back again to that, you know, you are what you eat. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper. Happy, healthy New Year to you. Happy 2022. Super excited to be going into the New Year with you. Thank you for pressing play. Uh, if we're just meeting, my name is Ben Azadi. I am the best-selling author of four books, the founder of Keto Camp. You can learn more about me over at benazadi.com. Today's episode is a fantastic discussion that will pull at your heartstrings and also really help you understand how incredible, how vast, how unique the microbiome is. And I bring on Martha Carlin, who calls herself a citizen scientist, and she has a pain to purpose, to promise story that's going to be very emotional for you to hear and very enlightening when she gets into some of the research she discovered over the years. She's going to be sharing how her husband was diagnosed with Parkinson's at the age of 44 and the path that it led her on. She came across a book called Missing Microbes in 2014 and it changed everything for her. So you're going to learn about the patterns she's noticed analyzing poop, which her company, The Bio Collective, did for several years, the pattern of healthy gut bacteria versus unhealthy gut bacteria. What did she see? What were the differences there? We're going to talk about antibiotics. We're going to talk about, I asked her a great question and her answers were amazing. The question I asked her towards the end was, what are the top three things that is wrecking our gut microbiome? Okay, wait till you hear her answer. So we're going to get into the pesticides and herbicides and glyphosate. We're going to get into antibiotics. We're going to get into why you don't want to live by a golf course. So if you live by a golf course, listen to this episode. It'll be very informative for you. We're also going to get into her company, The Bio Collective. The Bio Collective aims to accelerate microbiome research by supporting robust, reproducible, and reliable results that allow the field to realize its full potential for life-saving discoveries. And she founded this company back in 2015. We're going to get into some of her products. There's one product that I've actually been using called Sugar Shift. 
And uh, she explains why having this certain bacteria, which helps to create maltitol, helps to break and metabolize sugar. So if you have high glucose levels, high morning glucose, high levels after a meal, this could be something that really will interest you because she formulated a product called Sugar Shift. I've been taking it that helps produce maltitol, which helps break the breakdown of excess glucose. Hmm, interesting. So we'll get into that research. We also get into some of our other products about immunity, heart-centered, and she has a few other ones that are coming out in the future. She also gave us an awesome coupon code for Keto Camp podcast listeners to get 15% off your products with them, uh, which you'll hear about. But if you go to www.bioticquest.com, that is B-I-O-T-I quest.com and use Keto K15 at checkout, you'll get 15% off. We'll put all that in the notes down below. And we'll also talk about it later on the episode. So I can't wait to bring her on. She was so much fun. You're going to learn a lot about the gut microbiome. You're going to learn a lot about Parkinson's. If you know somebody who has Parkinson's or you know somebody who knows somebody who has Parkinson's, this episode is a must listen for them. You have to share it with them. So I can't wait to bring her on. Before I do, I want to take a minute here to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This is a five-star review from Travis96 titled Great Info. I've been following Ben on Instagram and Facebook for about a year now. His curiosity and knowledge about the keto process is amazing. I can't express how valuable the information is that he's sharing on these podcasts. I highly recommend listening as well as following him. Amazing coach. Travis, that is awesome. Thank you for following me on Facebook and Instagram and now listening to the podcast and leaving that awesome rating and review. I'm so glad you're enjoying it. Thank you for the endorsement. I appreciate you so very, very much. If you haven't left the Keto Camp Podcast, a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to, please do so right now. Take a minute here to pause the show, leave a rating and review. It really makes a big difference. And hey, maybe I'll read your rating and review on the next episode. I want to remind you that today, January 3rd, is day one of our seven-day Keto Kickstart Challenge. This is a free seven-day challenge starting today, and it's going all the way until January 10th. You still have time to join for free. You could join me, Megan Ramos, Cynthia Thurlow, Dr. David Jockers, Alina, who's the Chief Operating Officer of Keto Camp, and myself for seven days to learn how to burn fat instead of sugar, how to do keto flexing how to fast the right way, and much more. We'll be giving away over $7,000 in free prizes. So get signed up. Join us today. The first live stream is taking place today, Monday, January 3rd at 11.50 a.m. Eastern time. And we're going to go live every day from January 3rd through January 10th, with the exception of Sunday. We'll be live every day in the Facebook group at 11.50 a.m. Eastern time. You can watch the replays if you can't make it live during those seven days. So head to ketocampchallenge.com. That is K-E-T-O-K-A-M-P challenge.com or click the link in the podcast notes below. It's going to be an amazing seven days and today is day one. Okay, let's have an amazing conversation with Martha Carlin. Martha Carlin is the chief executive officer at the Bio Collective. She's an award-winning systems thinker who is changing how we understand the link between the environment, our food and water systems, and illness. 
Martha's vision of the BioCollective has built a platform to accelerate the development of solutions to solve these complex problems. Martha has the unique ability to connect seemingly unrelated things to solve problems in new ways. Her study of genetics, nutrition, biology, biochemistry, neuroscience, and epigenetics began in 2008 when her husband was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. So let's welcome on Martha Carlin. Martha Carlin, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Thanks, Ben. I'm happy to join you today. You have a very powerful story. Uh, you shared it on a TEDx talk that could be found on YouTube, which we'll link below, but I'd love for you to share it today. You know, why are you so, I'm going to use the word obsessed, and I use that in a, in a great way. Why are you so obsessed with the gut microbiome and the research you're doing in, in your company? How did that get started for you? So really, it goes all the way back to in 2002, my 44-year-old, otherwise healthy husband uh, was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And I looked at how science and medicine was approaching the problem. And it's kind of like, okay, you have this disease, here's a pill, you know, we'll see in six months, there's nothing you can do, it's progressive. And um, my background was in systems. Uh, I was trained in a process called transaction flow review, where you look at a business to identify risk and you follow everything that's going, every transaction that goes through the business looking for the breakpoints. And I thought, well, I think I could apply that to Parkinson's. And so I started to go back into teaching myself about the science. And, you know, when you look at the human body, like what are the main inputs? Well, it's, you know, food and water is the top, you know, top of the list, but doctors aren't really trained on that. They don't think about that. So I first started studying the food system and, you know, throwing out all the food that wasn't organic. But in 2002, of course, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of uh, organic food. So I um, said, well, I need to understand better the food supply that we have. And so I started looking at the different chemicals and things that are used in growing our food and how food is processed and, you know, the highly refined carbohydrates. And so we started changing his diet and he started really doing much better than uh, most people with Parkinson's. So, you know, I gradually started to study different aspects of the science more and more and different aspects of the food. And in 2014, I read a book called Missing Microbes by Martin Blazer of NYU, and he was talking about the rise of chronic disease, and that included Parkinson's, from the generation of people who had been raised uh, in the antibiotic era. And all of the antibiotics that are overprescribed in medicine and then widely used in the food supply. And at that time, I hadn't really thought about how much antibiotics were in our food supply. Um, you know, they're used a lot in animal husbandry to put weight on the animals faster. But they're also, you know, prepackaged foods, things you get that they want to increase the shelf life. There are a lot of antibiotic things that, you know, go, if you like hummus and you're getting the prepackaged hummus, it's going to have something in there that's antibiotic because otherwise that's kind of a Petri dish. <laughs> And so, you know, I started looking at that. I thought, well, that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, this microbiome, that was sort of the first I'd heard of it. 
And at the end of 2014, a, a Finnish researcher, Philip Shepperhans, published the first paper, and he showed that, uh, it, so in Parkinson's, there's two different primary phenotypes. So some people are tremor dominant. So you see the shaky hand or, you know, quivering parts of their body. And others have more of a, a bent over posture and trouble with their gait. And he showed that uh, he could divide people with Parkinson's by the bacteria in their gut into those phenotypes. And I was like, Eureka, that is it. The gut microbiome is the general ledger sort of, you know, all the way back to my accounting days, uh, sort of keeping track of what's going on in there. And so I started to fund some research at the University of Chicago, sequencing my husband's samples and my samples. And by that, I mean our poop samples. And, you know, we're probably, you know, for non-academics, some of the most sequenced people out there. I think I have 150 whole genome samples of my husband. And to do a, wow. a whole genome sequence is about $200, $250. So we spent a lot of money trying to figure out what was going on. And in that process, um, I met a scientist, Dr. Jack Gilbert, who's one of the leading microbiome scientists. And uh, one of his sons has autism. And we started looking at the overlap in the Parkinson's gut and the autism gut. And then I was introduced to uh, my co-founder, Suzanne Vernon, who had been at the CDC for about 17 years, a virologist studying chronic fatigue. And we, we saw some overlap in the microbiome there. And, and I was like, well, you know, what's really holding us back from understanding? We look at these things like they're single diseases. And instead, we need to like look at the population and look across the microbiome. What are these shared functions or dysfunctions, loss of function that we see across the population? And how can we tie that back into, you know, food and water and, and all of these, you know, so I had this really grand scale of, okay, let's, let's build a bank of uh, poop samples. And so we started the bio collective, initially collecting samples across the broad population. And that's obviously pretty expensive, but we, we built a bank of a uh, thousand people across the United States, 50% healthy, 50% disease. And we could start to see these patterns. And along the way, then about two years into it, I went to a, another Parkinson's conference and um, they had a citizen science group. And I, that's how I term myself a citizen scientist from Israel, who was showing that the sugar alcohol mannitol could stop the aggregation of the proteins that are a hallmark in Parkinson's in an animal model, and that higher doses could actually pull the aggregates out of the brain of the animal. And I was like, hey, wow, that's really interesting. And so I came back and one of my advisors is a fermentation chemist. And I said, Steve, like, could we put back the factory in the body that could make mannitol so that you have endogenous production of this. And so we sat down and started looking at it and looking for, um, you know, I got a mannitol chemistry book and lo and behold, you know, there's a set of probiotic bacteria basically that produce mannitol. Most bacteria use it as a food source and humans don't use it. 
So if you take mannitol, you just um, eliminate it through your urine. And it's on the World Health list of essential medicines. It's used for osmotic stress, like all kinds of different things. I was like, wow, this is kind of a magic molecule. And it's the most abundant sugar in nature. But again, humans don't use it. So we started making a little prototype formula for my husband. At that time, he was walking with a cane. and we did like took us about 90 days to get samples and make this the uh, product up for him and he started taking it and within 30 days he was no longer walking with the cane we were measuring his microbiome against all those other ones we had before and the american gut healthy profile and we could see that he was moving back closer and closer and closer to the healthy profile and we're wow (laughs) and so we started out building a biobank, but then we, this concept of how do we put back these lost functions by identifying key missing microbes and putting them together as a team to make what you need to make. And then the more we looked at how the formula worked, um, it actually uh, makes the mannitol by converting glucose and fructose that comes in the body through the diet. Very interesting. Okay, I want to unpack. Uh, several things you said. All right. First thing is this. How old was your husband when he was diagnosed with Parkinson's? Did you say 44? 44. He was 44. 44. So when the initial diagnosis came in, what were your thoughts? Because a 44-year-old typically is not diagnosed with Parkinson's. So what were, what was your initial reaction to the diagnosis? That's the first question. What was your initial reaction? It, it actually was not shocking to me because... I had read Michael J. Fox's book earlier mm-hmm. in the year, and I had noticed some of the symptoms. And I'm, I sort of pushed him to go to the doctor and get checked out. But at the same time, it was also just emotionally just devastating because our, our children at that time were two and four. And then I had an older child and, and, you know, I just thought, their dad's not going to live to, you know, because at that time, a lot of the literature and things was like, oh, you know, maybe you have 10 good years, 15 years is probably the the longest people are living with Parkinson's at that time. And so, you know, it's just sort of looking at the information that you're generally given. And I thought, no, this is not going to be us because, you know, I'm a problem solver. I'm going to solve this problem. And so I just the next day, I was out looking for the experts. How do mm. I figure this out? Yeah, I love that. I love that you didn't accept some of the stuff you were looking up when it came to Parkinson's. What is the percentage right now in the United States of individuals who develop Parkinson's? Do you know? You know, I think the population in the U.S. is close to 2 million. One wow. of the things that was most interesting to me, I started looking for data by age because it's still mostly perceived as an old people's disease, mm-hmm. but the number of people under the age of 40 diagnosed with Parkinson's has doubled in the last decade. So the growth rate in people under 40 is much higher, which tells me there are many environmental factors contributing to the risk of the disease. Yeah, and you mentioned a few already, uh, antibiotics, glyphosate, you know, herbicides, pesticides, non-organic food. It's interesting that you, you mentioned antibiotics are given to animals to fatten them up, right? And if think about it, if we consume antibiotics, it's going to fatten us up and also 
deplete our microbiome. You mentioned that you saw a pattern of taking stool samples of those who had an unhealthy gut versus those who had a healthy gut. Could you explain the patterns you saw and could you distinguish between those two patterns? So we've used a lot of, I guess, maybe less conventional tools to look at some of these patterns. I had a physicist who had developed a natural language processing uh, where he tokenized the data. And from that, we actually found that people who had a relative abundance of streptococcus, different strains of streptococcus, but if they had a total relative abundance, more than 1% in their gut, that they were in some disease category. They weren't always in the same disease category, but it's, it's interesting too, because streptococcus loves glucose. So there's a, you know, there's a bug that really likes sugar. And that was one of the ones that we were able to move with our probiotic pretty rapidly because we eliminated that, that glucose. In the Parkinson's people, so we worked with a machine learning company in Poland and we identified, again, a kind of a surprise for us, but uh, we were looking at, at specific genes and there were genes involved in glycosylation and insulin regulation, so that were different in people with Parkinson's versus healthy people. We also found elevated proteobacteria. We found elevated, and this has been in other papers as well, uh, elevated methanogens. So I've been talking to a number of people who are focused on SIBO because that's another area that may be a driver behind Parkinson's. And when you take a fecal sample, you're not really getting the bacteria that's in the small bowel. You're only getting the the bacteria from the lower colon. So, but elevated proteobacteria, um, you know, there's alpha, beta, gamma. So the different proteobacteria can have different impacts. And there's several publications looking at the percentage of proteobacteria and chronic disease. Um, Another, I'll say this is a hypothesis I've been working for four years, we found evidence of mycobacteria. And it's very hard to find in uh, the current sequencing methods because mycobacteria has a cell wall that's very difficult to lyse when you're processing a sample to get the genetic material. So often that gets missed and it's low abundance, but it has, it can have some outsized effects. And there's a a researcher by the name of Dr. Tom Dow uh, that we've been working with looking at our Parkinson's cohort. He has actually written several papers on autoimmune disease and mycobacterium avium paratuberculosis, which is Uh, highly prevalent in the dairy cattle industry. And there's a Harvard study also that showed that in their, I think it's about a 50,000 people that they're following, the doctors and physicians, that uh, people who drank skimmed milk, I think, had a statistically significant increase in Parkinson's risk. Hmm. Um, Interesting. So, you know, that's one that we're really trying to to drive some of the academic researchers to look a little harder at. Do you look at uh, the diversity uh, in the gut at all? We do look at the diversity, but, you know, that's another interesting area because so much of the research up to this point on the microbiome has been looking at the 16S gene. If, if you know, if your audience is familiar with that, it's a little less expensive to do. You're looking at one gene 
And that 16S gene is used to identify the organism. So it's not exact or precise, but there are a lot of uh, bioinformatics tools that have been developed around that. And the vast majority of the published research up to this point has been around 16S. We, from the very beginning, felt that we needed to be looking at all of the genes in the microbiome. And so that's why we did whole genome sequencing of all our samples to start with. So, you know, it's a little more complex to do the bioinformatics around it. And, but then you can also look at the function, like what are the functional genes that are present more or less? And so when we look at diversity, we look at taxonomic diversity, but we also look at functional diversity. What we found in people with Parkinson's is in some of them, they actually had more taxonomic diversity, but less functional diversity. So they had lost function in the microbiome. Hmm. So are we human beings with a whole bunch of bacteria or are we bacteria living a human experience? Yeah, I've said that a few times myself, like we're just a giant (laughs) Petri dish. And knowing what I know from working in the lab now with my microbiology team, you know, what you put in that Petri dish is absolutely, uh, you know, critical to what you grow. And so that ties back again to that, you know, you are what you eat. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I want to take a quick break here to share with you about the dangers of taking fish oil. I know, shocking. I was somebody who took fish oil every single day for years. And then I came across a ton of research showing the dangers of consuming fish oil. I immediately found an amazing product called Pureform. Pureform is a plant-based omega. And the cool thing about Pureform is that it is uniquely processed with nitrogen to preserve it and make sure it does not oxidize. These essential fatty acids are cold pressed and you get the proper balance of omega-6 and omega-3 to feed your cells what it desires. We know that life begins and ends at the cell membrane. And when you have the proper fats, the building blocks for those cell membranes, all of a sudden your fat burning hormones can do its job. So you lose weight. All of a sudden your cells produce energy. So you feel good. So we know that cellular health is key for performance and longevity. So I've been taking Pureform every single day. My dog takes it every single day. So does my girlfriend and my mom. This is how much I love the product. If you want to get your bottle delivered to your door, head over to purelifescience.com. Check them out. Order a bottle or two and you'll be amazed by how you feel after taking this just after a few days. That is purelifescience.com. Use the coupon code Ben4 to apply a $4 off coupon. That is Ben, B-E-N, and the number four. International shipping is available. Okay, let's go back into this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. Okay, so what are the top three contributors to a leaky gut, gut dysbiosis? What are the top three things that are wiping out our gut microbiome? And let's start them with the worst So one, two, and three. What is the number one thing disrupting the gut microbiome? And then what's two and three? Well, in my opinion, the number one thing disrupting the the gut microbiome is glyphosate. It is widespread and pervasive in the environment. Most people 
do not understand how much the use of it has increased in the last 30 years. In particular, I think there's about 60 crops now that use glyphosate as a uh, desiccant so they can even the the drying of the harvest and get it off to harvest faster. But, uh, you know, glyphosate changes the biochemistry of the plant. It changes the biochemistry of the soil, which changes the nutritional uptake of a plant. Glyphosate disrupts minerals. It was actually um, originally patented as a chelator to clean pipes. So, you know, if you think you're chelating metals um, out out of the inside of a pipe, you know, Trace mineral, minerals are essential to our health. And, you know, we're disrupting that delicate balance. And I mean, I think initially when they made the product, they said, oh, well, it's not going to harm humans because humans don't have a shikimate pathway. And the shikimate pathway, you know, I have one of those biochemistry posters on my wall <laughs> at the lab. And at the very top right-hand corner is the shikimate pathway, and everything else flows down from there. And I ended up, uh, you know, getting a, a textbook on the shikimate pathway and all the enzymes that flow out of that. And it's it's just essential to so many things. And bacteria have a shikimate pathway, and plants have a shikimate pathway. So you know, you're disrupting that with glyphosate, and then many microbes. Um, when they break down glyphosate that they come into contact with, they don't have all the genes to break it all the way down to carbon, phosphate, and water. So they will break it down into something called AMPA. And AMPA is actually toxic, more toxic to the brain. So that was another kind of, I guess, sort of obsession mission of mine is how do we find probiotic organisms to put in our formula that can actually break that glyphosate all the way down to carbon, carbon phosphate and water. And we do have one of those. Interesting. Okay. So glyphosate is number one. Uh, I would agree with you. I, I know that also Stephanie Seneth's work has shown what glyphosate does and especially with heavy metals. If you have heavy metals in your tissues, her work has shown it dries it even deeper inside your tissues, harder to get to those metals. She also makes the correlation between the application of glyphosate and autism on how you know it correlates the rise of autism versus the applica- uh, with their application of glyphosate. So the solution would be organic as much as possible. What are other things we can do? Uh, talk to our local legislators. I know here in Miami, I live in Miami, Florida, they actually banned it, thank God, here from being applied. So what are some things we can do to overcome the glyphosate? Well, you know, really making your legislature, legislators aware of it. And, you know, I, I spoke to a woman about a month and a half ago, I think in Orange County, she was very proactive and got the local government to stop using it. So they stopped spraying it on their parks. And, wow. you know, so I think, you know, even just talking to community groups and getting people to understand, I don't think people don't really understand Mm-mm. because it's been marketed uh, to them in such a safe way. So my chief scientific officer was a professor of microbiology and environmental sciences at Cal Poly for 30 years. And he was one of the early pioneers using microbes to bioremediate hydrocarbons, oil spills. We actually have another uh, company called Paleobiotica that's working on formulas for cleaning up glyphosate out of the soil. 
uh, oh, cool. using working microbial systems. So we have one called Paleo Restore. And so we are uh, working with a couple of people who are working out in communities and or with people who are buying farmland that has been destroyed by glyphosate and want to uh, remediate that. Yeah, that's super cool. You know, you, you're so right when we talk about glyphosate. I think my audience in general knows about the dangers of it, but most people, the average American, the average person, think that it's perfectly normal. That's one of the reasons why I would never live by a golf course, by the way, because golf courses are loaded with pesticides and herbicides. And I, that's one of the questions I always ask a client. Have you ever lived by a golf course? Do you currently live by a golf course? And I would never live by a golf course because of that reason. There's so much glyphosate on that golf course. So we have to be aware of it and eat organic. Talk to your local legislators. That's number one. What are number two and three, Martha? Well, high fructose corn syrup. I mean, I, I could have said antibiotics, but I really think, I, you know, I have learned so much uh, about, you know, these highly processed sugars and what their impact on the microbiome is and overall health. And what's interesting as well, just going, tying it back to Parkinson's again and my husband's history, he was a marathon runner. And I have met a number of uh, people with Parkinson's who were marathon runners. And, you know, if we think back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, people who are running, uh, you know, they carbo load. Yeah. They are drinking you know, sugar packets all, sugar all throughout packets, the run. Yep. Juice, and they, they've converted themselves into this carb engine. So, you know, they get a microbiome profile that's unhealthy. High fructose corn syrup also uh, blocks the uptake of copper, which is essential an essential trace mineral for every enzyme in the mitochondrial respiratory chain. So, you know, there are just little things like that that, I, you know, um, I think people just don't understand what these these sugars are doing. And when we're just not meant to eat this kind of food. Yeah, you're right. And it's in ketchups, it's in mustards, it's in uh, salad dressings, it's all over the place. And it's unfortunate that the highest consumption of high fructose corn syrup is usually in populations in in like poor populations, right? And in Coca-Cola, fast food restaurants, and they have access to it for very cheap. And it's it's not healthy for us. So that's number two. Number three is probably antibiotics. Is that my guess? Antibiotics, yes. Yeah. Antibiotics. I forget what the number is. I think, and you could correct me if I'm wrong here, if you know the answer, but one round of antibiotics, uh, how long does it take for the microbiome to recover after that? I think I've read two years, but I'm not 100% sure. It depends on a number of things. One mm-hmm. is what the antibiotic is. And as an example, Dr. Blazer found in his research that macrolides the gut never recovers from wow. Um, and of course, a Z pack, that's a macrolide. So, but you know, it can take six months, a year, two years. And it was interesting too, because of my uh obsession with the antibiotics connection, I became good friends with Dr. Shepperhans, the researcher in Finland that I first, you know, connected with on this. And in Finland, they have very robust medical history of all the citizens of Finland. And so I pushed him to do a project and he actually was able to get funding and go back into the Finnish records and published a paper. It's probably been about a year and a half ago where they looked at the risk of Parkinson's disease and different antibiotics and antifungals. 
hmm. and showed um, some different classes of antibiotics that uh, increased the risk of Parkinson's disease, uh, you know, within a certain period of, of time. Wow. That's interesting. Okay, so antibiotics is number three. Those are the one, two, three right there. So if we could be aware of it, number one, then take action number two, we're going to be ahead of the game. Now let's talk about your company. I'm holding here a product from your company. It's called Sugar Shift. And your website, by the way, is thebiocollective.com where we can learn more about it. So first of all, talk about the Biocollective. What is this company? What do you do? And let's get into this cool little supplement I'm holding in my hands here. Okay, so the Bio Collective was originally started, you know, we have this concept we call collect, connect, correct. So let's collect the poop samples, connect the dots so that we can correct the problem. And, you know, our original concept was we were going to build this gigantic poop bank. Of course, you know, I was a little bit naive in starting that out. Um, you know, it, it cost us about $1,000 per sample to do the collection, the processing, the storage, the sequencing, and all of that of each sample. And, and we really pioneered the techniques for shipping whole stool. So we patented a kit for uh, home collection. You send us the whole thing. Um, <laughs> in, our, um, in the lab, we homogenize and process those into little aliquots or you know we would sort of jokingly call them shitlets i don't know <laughs> <laughs> podcast, but that's a good name for it <laughs> so, um i mean and they just have uh it, there's so much information you know yeah. we have terabytes of data from that sample collection um, and along the way because we became experts in how to process we actually did some um, clinical trial processing for a, a company that was doing uh, Parkinson's microbiome uh, therapeutics uh, uh, until COVID came along and we got out of the poop collection business altogether because of liability and uh, you know a number of things there. And we also felt like we had enough data. Uh, but also as the experts, we got an NIH grant for about one and a half, $1.2 million. Wow, congrats. Awesome. Make reference material. So also what most people may not realize is when you're having your microbiome sequenced by, you know, a commercial company or an academic, there are no standard, like a quality control sample. So if you know, like if you're having a blood test, they have a, a reference sample that they're running to calibrate the machine to make sure that the results you're getting are, you know, what you think they are actually. Mm -hmm. And so we actually made something called the true matrix, which is a large homogenized pool of fecal samples that were uh, aliquoted into enough material for 2 million sequencing runs so that everybody has the same sample as a reference point to look at and check the quality control of their sequencing. So that's been a big part of what the BioCollective has done. And then we also made our samples available for sale to both, you know, commercial companies and academic researchers. So if they wanted, you know, maybe they needed to do some early research to get a grant, you know, they could get a small cohort from us and do the work that they needed to do. And so, you know, we've worked with researchers all over the globe using our samples. And at the beginning of this year, we actually sold the bulk of our bank to a startup company out of Caltech uh, that 
one of the Parkinson's researchers I had done some work with is involved in that company and they're building better animal models to look at the microbiome and, and do microbiome therapeutic discovery with those samples. And we kept a full set of the samples and the rights to discovery, uh, isolating microbes out of the stool samples. And we can use those in everything except pharmaceuticals, which we were not interested in in the first place. Very cool. So you you did enough stool samples where you could get get the data and get an idea of what direction you wanted to go. So you got that direction and then you started formulating different products. One of them is this product that I have here called Sugar Shift. So can you explain what this product is? I started taking it personally, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. What is the thought process behind this specific formulation? So the thought process behind this formulation was originally to produce mannitol. Um, to oh, but this is the one for the, the kind of give you the building blocks for mannitol. Okay, got yeah, it. So that, that was the, the concept behind that. But then as we started to have other people try it and, you know, there were people who were measuring their glucose and they're like, like I started taking this and my fasting blood glucose is, you know, gone from here to here and where my A1C is dropped. I had a diabetic who got off insulin. I mean, that wasn't the only thing he did, yeah. but how does know, that he, work? You know, he was taking two in the morning and two in the afternoon. And, you know, I think it was really part initially for him of helping him address his cravings. Mm. Uh, and I've had a lot of people tell me who are, um, sort of sugarholics, um, that when they take it after about a week's time, they stop craving sugar and carbs. And so that's, you know, been part of that process. But what the formula does, it's a, it's an eight strain formula. And some of the strains you don't typically see in a probiotic, leuconostoc mesentroides is the, one of the main strains in there. Um, that comes from fermented cabbage. And that's one of the big mannitol producers. It also makes something called a, like a capsule, sort of like mucus or slime, which, you know, we believe is part of what may be helping to coat the gut lining and help restore, you know, some barrier integrity. But the formula together as works as a system, we call it a guild. And we have a computational model called Bioflux that enables us to, we use a, the Argonne National Lab enzyme database of 17,000 enzymes. And so we know which microbes use and produce different things. And so we model over time to see how the system is working together. And so what we modeled was, you know, this glucose and fructose consumption so it's consuming the glucose and fructose and producing mannitol, which humans don't use, but that mannitol is feeding a, a broader population of diversity in the gut bacteria, but it's removing the glucose so that you're losing organisms like the streptococcus that we talked about before. And streptococcus, I think, is also one of those bugs that may drive you to you know, like feed me, see more or more sugar. Yeah. Cravings. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I like that, especially for those who are doing keto but you're having those cravings, those sugar cravings, carb cravings, and you're kind of getting off track. You mentioned that gentleman who got off the insulin, he was taking two capsules twice a day. So he kind of, he doubled the dose, which might be something that you could do. I also like it for somebody who's checking their glucose and maybe they have a higher fasting glucose than they'd like. Maybe they have a higher morning fasting glucose, which is common, the dawn effect, but maybe it's higher than usual 
throwing something like this into the mix, it would be a good idea. I want to personally experiment with this uh, wearing a CGM. I like using a CGM. So that might be something I do in the future. But I, I love the use of it. I love the idea behind it. I always say structure trumps intention. You could have all the best intentions in the world, but if you don't have the structure in place, it's going to be very difficult to get the amazing keto and fasting results that you want. If you are on the go traveling and you don't want to think about what can you eat to help you feel satisfied and to help you continue getting results on your keto journey. For me, my structure when I'm on the go, when I'm traveling, and when I want to have something nearby that's a healthy snack, my go-to is Paleo Valley's Beef Sticks. Paleo Valley beef sticks are the perfect gut-friendly, clean protein snack for on the go. And if you have children, this is one of the best things to give your kids. These beef sticks are 100% grass-fed and finished by farmers right here in the United States. They contain naturally occurring probiotics, which helps increase the diversity in your gut. It contains organic spices. It has high concentrations of omega-3 fatty acids elevated levels of conjugated linoleic acid, which we know is an antioxidant and also could enhance your body's ability to burn fat. It contains vitamins and minerals, elevated concentrations of glutathione, which is your body's master antioxidant, and it's good for the environment. They have flavors that range from original to garlic summer sausage, regular summer sausage, jalapeno, teriyaki, and they also have turkey sticks available as well. They taste so good that I usually go through three or four, and I think I might set the record for eating almost 10 Paleo Valley beef sticks. Maybe somebody out there has eaten more than me in one sitting. You know, me and my fiance, Natasia, we're always fighting over these beef sticks in our house. We go into the pantry and I hear her unwrapping it and I'm like, hey, are you eating one of my beef sticks? <laughs> they are delicious. And since you are a avid listener of the Keto Camp Podcast, we worked out an exclusive deal for you to get 15% off your entire order of Paleo Valley products. All you need to do is head to paleovalley.com and use the coupon code KETOCAMP15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order. That is KETOCAMP15 at checkout. We'll also drop a link down below in the show notes. So what else do you have on biocollective.com? We also have a product called Ideal Immunity. The base formula, part of the organisms in the base formula of Ideal Immunity are similar to the sugar shift formula. Uh, but we have a specific organism in there called Lactobacillus ruminus that we isolated from the, the gut of a healthy 30-year-old. And that organism produces something called bacteriocins, pediocins, and those are very targeted against specific pathogens. So this particular organism in our experiments in the lab kills 100% of listeria, kills salmonella, E. coli. So a lot of those foodborne pathogens that you might be coming in contact with if you eat out a lot or if you're doing foreign travel. Yeah, great idea for traveling. Yeah, I recommend people take that. We have another product called Heart Centered that is uh, focused on cardiovascular health, health lowering blood pressure, and um, just a general supportive cardiovascular formula. I don't have the profile up in front of me. And it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we have uh, this spring, we're coming out with our simple slumber formula. So that would be a formula that you would take maybe about 30 minutes before bed, the working system 
would help, you know, produce the metabolites that help you sleep better for about seven hours and then would wear off. So we have that. We have um, a product uh, called Antibiotic Antidote. Um, we actually formulated that one after reading a paper from the Weizmann Institute. Gosh, it was probably two or three years ago. They came out with a publication saying probiotics after um, taking antibiotics could be not helpful. And so, you know, we looked at that paper, we ran the formula through our bioflux model. And, you know, my chief scientific officer, Dr. Kamo, of course, he looked at it with all his experience. And he said, well, you would never put that better together to restore the gut because it's going to make the gut too acidic, which is not going to allow for a broader population. And so, you know, we came up with a formula, antibiotic antidote, for, you know, if somebody does have to take antibiotics, um, that that could help restore their gut, um, you know, be part of restoring a balanced pH and the, the ability to perhaps restore the gut faster. We have Great a, idea. Yeah. We have a mood product coming out probably around June. And then we are going to make the Paleo Restore and Paleo Grow um, like lawn and garden products available this spring just for a limited release to see, you know, if people are interested in, you know, cleaning up their yard, cleaning up their garden and, or growing some of their own food where they, they know what went on the food. So we'll have paleo grow and paleo restore this spring. But if you go to the bio collective website, um, I think there's a button at the top that says our probiotics, the actual brand website for the products is biotic quest. Mm, got it. So I was looking at the Bio Collective and it was showing me the Sugar Shift one. But if we go to Biota Quest, which is B-I-O-T-I-Quest.com. Got it. Correct. Yes. Ah, here we go. So here were the ones you were mentioning. Heart-centered, ideal immunity, simple slumber. I love the idea of this one right here, the antibiotic antidote, especially for those... Because sometimes antibiotics are necessary for certain things. And if you have, have to get it or you got it not knowing any better then taking uh, this would be good. My question to you, I have two questions. Uh, first question is, do you think it's a good idea to rotate these products to rotate probiotics so you're not monoculturing? First question. And second question is, have you done testing on your probiotics to see after it mixes with stomach acids, does it still survive that? I do think it's a, it's a good idea to either periodically take a rest or rotate. But I also have people who take sugar shift who, you know, I have a doctor in Hawaii who had major GI problems after getting a virus from a patient of his back in the 1970s. And Whoa. he had tried literally everything. I mean, he had severe diarrhea. He was on Lamotil all the time. He had tried everything. And his daughter found our product and sent it to him. And he's like, well, I'm going to try it, but like none of these probiotics worked. And it was the first thing that had worked for him and he ran out and it came back. So, you know, I think in some circumstances, you know, you might not want to take a break, but I also think, you know, you can fix an underlying problem and change your diet. And, you know, ultimately it comes down to what are you eating? So I do think that, that, uh, you know, that that's pretty critical. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so rotating or, or mixing up the products. And then have you done testing on, you know, with the stomach acids? Because sometimes some probiotics, when they mix with the stomach acids, don't survive the gut. 
So, you know, for each of our strains, we do uh, laboratory testing on, you know, bile acids and, you know, can it survive those? So we've done all of that. But the one thing I will say, there's a lot of people who are, who talk about, you know, are your probiotics colonizing the gut? And I think I have a, a little bit different opinion than a lot of people on that. I maybe don't want them to colonize the gut. I want them to, like, I have a working system. It's working on its way through. But the mechanisms that bacteria have to colonize the gut, fimbrae that help them attach, different, all of those things, uh, you know, those can be passed on to pathogens too. If your focus is solely on is this colonizing, you know, I think it's better to drive the niche in the gut through eating the right foods, and then you'll be colonized by the right bugs. But the other thing I will say is sugar shift. We believe that it's working in the upper GI tract, which is where that glucose and fructose is first in the system. And if you, you know, if you were trying to focus it lower down the GI tract, we don't think you would get the, you know, the benefits with, you know, the changes in glucose or even with, um, you know, I have a vegetarian who was measuring ketones and uh, using a CGM, and he had been trying to get into ketosis on his vegetarian diet and couldn't do it, and he actually entered therapeutic ketosis. By adding the sugar shift. By adding the sugar shift. Interesting. So those listening who's ha- who are having a hard time getting into ketosis and you're doing the dietary changes, this could be something that helps you with, uh, with getting into nutritional ketosis. That's fascinating. And you were gracious enough to give Keto Campers a 15% off coupon code. So if you go to www.bioticquest, that's bioticquest.com, and search any of the products uh, that interest you and use the coupon code KETOK15. That's K-E-T-O-K-1-5. You'll get 15% off your order. Uh, we're going to off your first purchase. We're going to put that link and coupon code in the notes of the YouTube video and the notes of the podcast. Thank you for doing that, by the way, Martha. Thank you. Yeah, I can't wait to try some of your, your other products that you have on here and some of the cool, the, the paleo ones that are coming out. And um, I, I want to know how your husband is doing nowadays. How long ago was it when he was diagnosed and how is he doing to this day? So 19 years ago. So it was 19 years ago. And he's actually doing so much better than most people with Parkinson's. His neurologist, they use a, a score called the UPDR score. And the higher the number, the more advanced your disease is. So back in 2017, before we really got into all this microbiome alteration, um, his score was a 35. And now it's a 20. And it's been a stable 20 for the last three years. Wow. Yeah, testament to the the work that you're doing for him and with him. That's that's amazing. I'm actually doing. You're gonna like this. I'm doing a 14 day challenge right now with my Keto Camp Academy students to create more diversity in the gut. The challenge is to eat as many different fruits and vegetables as possible, like eat the rainbow, and to complete a two 24 hour fast in the next 14 days to really stress that gut, create more diversity. So we're we're playing the game here. I, now I'm thinking now that you're like talking about all these supplements of rotating some of these into the mix for our next gut challenge. So I love what you're doing. I think it's super fascinating. 
Thank you so much. I was looking at your your upcoming challenge and thinking that would be uh, an interesting thing to participate in myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Martha, where else can they find you? So you have two websites. You have the biocollective.com if you want to learn more about the sugar shift specifically. And then you have bioticquest.com. Anywhere else, social media? So I also have a, a personal blog called Martha's Quest where I write about Parkinson's disease specifically and alternative therapies, diet, exercise, um, meditation, those kinds of things that are specific to the Parkinson's audience, trying to bring them greater understanding of how these things can impact their their outcome and um, oh. their overall health. Super cool and very important. Um, for those listening or watching who know somebody who have who has Parkinson's, got to share this episode with them. You have to share Martha's research with them, the website, everything. This could change their life, their family's lives, their friends' lives. I mean, she is, has done the research and I acknowledge you for that, Martha. You are committed. Uh, your husband is blessed to have you and vice versa. I love your mission, your hearts and what you're doing for humanity. Thank you for coming on the show today and sharing your brilliance. We're going to put all of your information in the podcast notes down below. And I appreciate you very much for coming on today. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Ben. I really enjoyed it. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Martha Carlin and you now understand more about how important the gut microbiome is. Diversity is the name of the game and you could create diversity by using the right products and cycling them like we spoke about. I highly recommend you go get her products. I, after the conversation with her, I bought all of her products. I already have the Sugar Shift one, but I bought all the other ones. So if you go to www.bioticquest.com, that is B-I-O-T-I quest.com. We'll put a link down below. Use the coupon code KETOK15, that is K-E-T-O-K-1-5 at checkout to get 15% off your entire order. And go get the products, go use their products, incorporate intermittent fasting, incorporate dietary changes, create more diversity. And please, if you know somebody who has Parkinson's, share this episode with them right now. Go follow Martha on her website. All of her information can be found in the podcast notes down below. And please leave the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review if you got any value from this conversation. Final reminder... If you haven't signed up for our seven-day keto challenge, do so. Today is day one, and we'd love to have you join us for the next seven days. It's going to be absolutely incredible, jam-packed. I'm going to be leading it along with Megan Ramos, Dr. David Jocker, Cynthia Thurlow, and Alina from my team. So head to ketocampchallenge.com or click the link in the notes down below. Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode. Happy, healthy 2022 and beyond. I'm excited to go into this new year with you with some great momentum. Thank you for listening today, and I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. 
Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.